In a world that tells us to chase personal perfection, there doesn't seem to be a place for fools. This fool is trying to work out where that leaves him. And you too, maybe. Because, let's face it, sometimes we're all just fools trying to be better. Before we start on this adventure, I think we need to explain who I am. Yes, you're right, we should. Well, go on then. Well, you're me, aren't you? You're that voice everybody has in their head, usually that argumentative voice. Just when you think you've got a solution to a problem, that voice starts up in your head, full of doubts, full of contrariness and other troublemaking ideas. You don't paint a great picture of me. You can be really annoying. Annoying? That's not what I am. I'm helpful. Look, I understand you're a very necessary part of who I am. And some of the time, you stop me doing stupid things. But sometimes, you drive me absolutely crazy. The feeling's mutual. Sometimes, I don't understand your impulsiveness. I feel the need to say to you, hold on, think about that again. Yes, I know. I suppose we're a team. Yes, some kind of team. I'm the coach, and you're that middle-ranking player who needs to be constantly yelled at. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? That's not quite how I see it. And I'd prefer it if you didn't yell at me. But you're right. I do need you. Good. I'm glad we cleared that up. Shall we get on with the podcast? Is it any good? Well, I don't know. I know you're trying to help people, but are you actually doing that? This is exactly what I mean when I say you're annoying. Please, can I just get on with it? If you must. Thank you. Mornings. I've been thinking about what to do with them. What do you mean? Well, I've heard so many people say that what you do with your morning, what you do first thing, can make or break your day. You're talking about the famous morning routine idea? Yes. So, what is the morning routine? Well, some people say that if you do certain activities every single morning, it prepares you for the day ahead and that you'll get more out of your day. Activities like meditating or yoga or breathing exercises. Anything that energises you. Anything that clears your head. Have you tried giving yourself a morning routine? Yes, of course. I wouldn't talk about it if I hadn't. So, tell us about your morning routine. Okay. I wake up and then I get up out of bed and meditate for 10 minutes. Then I have breakfast, then 10 minutes of learning French, then 10 minutes doing some kind of resistance training to work the body. And does it work for you? Yes. When I do it regularly, I feel great. Did you do it today? No, I didn't have time today. What about yesterday? No, I didn't do it yesterday either. So, when was the last time you did it? About three weeks ago. <laughs> so, you're extolling the virtues of a morning routine that you don't do. No, when I do it regularly, I do feel great. 
I've got much more energy and focus. Even if I'm really busy, I know that if I do my morning routine, I'll feel better and get more out of my day. But you just said you haven't done it for a while because you've been busy. And then you said that even if you're busy, you feel better if you put aside time to do it. I'm getting a bit confused here. At least tell me that you do it every day when you've got plenty of time to do it. To be honest, no, I don't. So you found something that really benefits you, that helps you through the daily grind, but you don't do it. Well, I do, but not often enough for it to have its full benefit. This is a little bit crazy. If you're going to do it, you need to do it every day. Here's an idea. Try starting with a five-minute morning routine. That way, if it's only five minutes, you're more likely to do it. Hmm. Sounds like a good idea. But what can I do in only five minutes? Oh, I don't know. Um, two minutes of meditation, two minutes of French, one minute of intense strength resistance workout. You think that'd work? I could definitely commit to five minutes a day. No. I don't think it'd work. I don't think it'd work at all. You can't spend that little an amount of time on something and expect results. So how much time? 20 minutes? 30 minutes? An hour? I'm really busy. I don't know how much time. You've got to find a sweet spot that works for you. But you've got to commit to it. So you're saying that my real problem is that I'm not committing to it? Or it might be that it doesn't work for you, not practically speaking. But either commit to doing it or commit to not doing it. I'm not sure I can do that. So what are you going to do? I'm going to keep trying. OK, keep trying. Then come back later to tell me how you think you're doing. OK. I can commit to that. I've always been a creative. It's my job. But I think we're all creative. To me, being creative doesn't just mean picking up a guitar and writing a song, or painting a picture, or writing a novel. You can be creative in anything you do. Can I tie my shoelaces creatively? How would you do that? Upside down, maybe. Or perhaps I'd do it in the bath. Why would you put your shoes on in the bath? Because I'm being creative? You're just taking the piss. Well, if there's piss to be taken... What ideas have you given the world lately? Yeah, maybe I sound stupid, but I'm trying. You're too scared to try. So you're just trying to sabotage this, aren't you? No, I just think you're sounding a little pretentious. I'm trying to give people, to the best of my ability, a fresh perspective on life. Yeah by sounding pretentious. Not at all. Do you mind if I carry on? If you want. I think it's the word creative. It puts people off. It has a stigma attached to it. It just sounds too precious. I think the word creative actually stops people being creative. It's intimidating. 
So how about we replace the word creative with the word fresh, just for today? Fresh? Yes, fresh. Like my socks are fresh? No, not like your socks. Instead of telling ourselves that we're going to be creative today, we can tell ourselves that we're going to be fresh. Because a major part of being creative, in the traditional sense of the word, when you're creating a song or writing a novel, it's actually about making something that has a fresh perspective. So let's say today that we're going to take a fresh look at the world, a fresh look at your work, a fresh look at relationships, a fresh look at everything. Hmm. That kind of works. I mean, it's not completely dumb. You only had to wait. Thoughts take time to develop. Sorry. Keep it fresh, yeah? If you don't know which TV show that clip is from, I'll reveal all in a moment. I want to talk about superheroes. You see, I have this problem. I don't like superheroes. And it all stems from a TV show I watched as a kid. The show was called Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. It was made by a guy called Jerry Anderson, who made these amazing children's dramas using puppets, real puppets with strings. As well as Captain Scarlet, there was Thunderbirds, which is probably the most famous, but also Stingray, Joe 90 and Fireball XL5. They were all puppet shows, but really, really well done. Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons was my personal favourite. The premise of the show was this. Some human beings landed on the planet Mars and saw a city. Thinking that Martians were dangerous, the humans attacked and destroyed this city. And then, before their very eyes, the Martians were able to rematerialize their destroyed city in seconds. But the damage was done. Mars declared war on Earth. That's who the Mistrons are. They're Martians. In the show, you never actually saw a Martian you only heard them talking. And in this war, they didn't try and invade Earth. Instead, they'd use their mental powers to take over a human being on Earth and bend him to their will. Then that person would be given a task, which usually involved blowing something up. The only organisation standing between us and Annihilation was Spectrum. Spectrum was made up of agents named after colours, there was Lieutenant Green, Captain Blue, Captain Ochre, and of course, Captain Scarlet. There was also an Air Force with solely female pilots called Angels. There was Destiny Angel, Harmony Angel, and so on. Anyway, Captain Scarlet himself was very unusual. I can't remember how it happened, but the Mistrons had tried to take him over and failed. 
but that left him with a very special power. If he was ever killed, he could rematerialize, which is what he did week after week. Every week he would sacrifice himself to save a mission and foil the Mistrons. And the next week he would be back as good as new, not a scratch on him. I was very young when I watched the show, and for a long time, like I said, it was my favourite show. I even got my mum and dad to make Captain Scarlet's outfit for me. But then I realised something. Even though I was young, I realised the show's fatal flaw. If Captain Scarlet was indestructible, then what was the point of all the dangerous situations he found himself in? All that tension was for nothing. Now, you might say that 99% of all dramas are like this. And you'd be right. In 99% of all dramas, we know that the hero is going to come out of this okay. No matter how many villains attack him, no matter how many dangerous car chases he's in, where two wheels are hanging over the edge of a cliff, it doesn't matter. Because the hero is going to survive. That's just the way it is. But for some reason, I find this quite boring. I've just seen too many superheroes winning the day. I have a question for you. Go on. Don't you want the good guys to win? Generally or just in films? Yeah, generally. Doesn't it get you excited, for example, when you read about the police tracking down and catching a murderer? Of course. Everybody wants the good guys to win in cases like that. But real life often isn't like that. Most of the time, real life doesn't seem to be designed to help good guys win. What do you mean? John Ronson wrote this great book about sociopaths called The Psychopath Test. And he found out that there's a disproportionately large number of sociopaths who are business leaders. Yes, business leaders. There's a very good chance that your boss is a sociopath. Isn't it bizarre that we as a society reward sociopaths by pretty much putting them in charge of our financial future? Yeah, but isn't that the point? Life can be unfair. But if you watch a movie, you can escape all that. The superhero can put right all the wrongs in real life. Yeah, I can see that. But how many times can they save the world? What? You don't think that saving the world is a worthwhile goal? Of course it is. But they do it again and again and again. I think you're missing out on a lot of fun. What films do you like, then? Something that shows life in all its amazing complexities. Oh, arty stuff. Not as much fun, is it? But it is. Or it can be. I think if you took away superheroes, you'd upset more people than if you took away your art house movies. I didn't say the problem was with other people. The problem is with me. I wish I could enjoy superhero movies. I really do. Sometimes I, I just feel sorry for you. Have you seen the latest Spider-Man movie? No. Well, maybe you should. 
Yeah, maybe I should. Isn't it great when you can make people laugh? Go on then, tell me a joke. I can never remember jokes. Instead, I always try to find humour in the situations in which I find myself. Any situation? Well, not funerals. Fair enough. For a few years, I spent a lot of time working with stand-up comedians. I'd film them as part of a TV show. So consequently, I'd hang out with them, go backstage before, during and after they performed at comedy clubs. Oh man, that's a hard job being a comedian. But it must have been fun hanging out with them. You must have spent a lot of time laughing. It's kind of tricky if you spend a lot of time with a comedian. A few times I spent a whole day with two comedians in particular. They spent the whole time trying to outdo each other with jokes. It was great to start with, but by lunchtime I desperately wanted to escape and eat my sandwich alone. They were funny guys, but it had so obviously become a contest between them that it became exhausting, making sure I was even-handed with dishing out the laughter and smiles. At least they were trying to make you laugh. Before they went on stage, I'd see them pacing up and down. There was sheer terror in their eyes, and they would drink like nobody you'd ever seen. Mind you, I think I would too if I had that job. Of all the performing arts, I always think comedians are the most exposed. They really are going onto a stage, begging the audience to love them. But if you can, it's such a great gift to make somebody laugh. I agree. I love making people laugh. It's intoxicating, but full of insecurities too. What do you mean? If you say something to somebody, and you intend it to be funny, and then they laugh. You can never be quite sure whether they're genuinely laughing or if they're laughing to be polite. Yeah, that is a problem. So you follow up your original witty comment by saying something else that you hope is funny. You know, just so that if they didn't actually find the last comment genuinely funny, they'll find this one funny. But just because they laugh at both of your supposed witticisms doesn't mean they found either one funny. Well, exactly. And then it gets really stressful because then you're trying extra hard to make them laugh. And they can see that you're trying extra hard. And the whole thing just gets really difficult and really awkward. So what's the solution? Not to bother trying to make people laugh? Well... Here's my problem. I am aware that sometimes I try too hard to make people laugh. And then you get embarrassed? I used to, but not these days. These days, if I'm trying too hard to make somebody laugh, I make a joke out of it. Ah, that's clever. But what if they don't laugh at that? I make a joke out of them not laughing. And if they don't laugh at that? I'll go back to eating my sandwich. It's kind of ironic that trying to make somebody laugh can be quite stressful. As long as you can laugh at yourself, you'll be all right. Yeah?
How's your morning routine going? I'm doing bits of it. What do you mean, bits of it? I'm doing the 10-minute meditation every day. Well, I've done it for the last couple of days. But I'm not doing the resistance training. And the French lessons? On and off. Pourquoi, mon ami? Well, I'm not doing lessons, really, anyway. I've got all the basics. I can understand a lot of written French. It's just when I go to France... So I'm trying to listen to this podcast to simulate listening to French people speak French. And it posts one paragraph of spoken French every day. It's great, really good. One paragraph. That sounds like it's, what, three minutes long? Yeah, it is. I thought you were going to do ten minutes. You've broken the routine already. No. I'm just doing three minutes instead of ten minutes every day. I think that counts as a break. Two days you lasted. Two days. I always enjoy meditation. My head feels clearer afterwards. And that's an achievement because it's difficult if you haven't done it for a while. And I haven't done it for a while. I mean, once or twice, I've returned to it after a break and it's completely done my head in. It wasn't relaxing at all. It just irritated the crap out of me. I got, in my first, you know, couple of sessions, I got more and more frantic trying to concentrate on my breath. I was really losing it. I think I was on the verge of hyperventilating or something. Not the kind of thing they tell you about when you, when they tell you about meditation, that, you know, it can all go badly wrong. <laughs> anyway, I had to stop in the middle of a routine once because of that, because it went so badly wrong. But yeah, when I stuck with it, You know, if I keep going, it's a really great start to the day. And what are you going to do about the French? I'm going to keep going. I have to learn French. My wife is French, and I've been telling myself I'm going to learn it for the last few years. I mean, there's lots of it I understand. When I read it, I understand quite a bit. But when I'm in France, they sound like they're talking so quickly. And there's something about French pronunciation, too. Tiny differences in pronunciation can sound like so many different words. So while you're trying to guess which word the person's used, you find the conversation's moved on. Really frustrating. But I am going to learn it. With three minutes a day. I'm not going to beat myself up. I know. That's why I'm here. Oh, yeah. You need to try harder. It's a bit of a poor attempt, really. Yeah, I know. Seriously, you do need to try harder. Can you stop now? You've been listening to Talking to a Fool by me, Mark Capel. I don't know if it's self-help or philosophy, a journal or something else, 
I'm still working that one out. My only hope is that you, in some way, get something out of it. And if you want to support it, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Music was by Megan Wofford, Jones Meadow, Sight of Wonders and Alex Kem, courtesy of Epidemic Sound. This is a Sparky the Creative production. Thank you so much for listening.